Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Thank you for joining us. My name is Jared Lanza. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter Church, and I love being able to give you a word that I feel that God has put in my heart for you that I believe is going to transform us. I believe that today's message particularly, I've been praying over it all week, I'm believing that it is going to set us free, that the things that we struggle with, the things that we deal with, that we will find that under the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we are free from those things and can move forward in a life filled with hope. So we're also simultaneously today kicking off a brand new message series called Fresh Start. We thought it would be good at Easter time and throughout the month of April. You know, winter is over. Spring is coming. I mean, the weather in the last couple days has been nice and it's starting to warm up. And you know what? Now we're time and it's time to start thinking about how can we start fresh? How can we have a new beginning? I think a lot of us ask that question where we wish I could just start over. I wish that in my life I could have a fresh start, a new beginning. And I think often Oftentimes we feel like, I don't know how I could ever get that. I, I deal with the things in my life. I mean, we want relationships to get better. We want our decisions and the consequences in our life to be able to start fresh and anew. And we want to have purpose in life. I believe that God wants to give all of us a fresh start. I believe that, that Jesus Christ came to earth to show us a better way to live and that we can have new life. A chance to begin again and live a fulfilling and purpose-filled life. Well, today is Easter Sunday, and I believe that today that we can have a beginning, a new beginning for all of us that we're all searching for. And most of us are here today, and we have heard the story, at least in pieces, of Jesus being crucified on the cross and resurrected. I mean, that's the whole point of the gospel, right? 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus who came to earth and had a radically different teaching than, he had, than any of his other peers or his contemporaries. And he went to a cross and died there as a sacrifice for us and rose from the dead. But that was 2,000 years ago. And most of us are in this place of where, where we wonder you know, like, how is this relevant to me? And so what I wanted to do today was I thought it would be good for us to walk through the story quickly. We're going to kind of walk through. I don't know if you've ever actually heard the whole story in kind of in its entirety, in its timeline. So we're going to read through it, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how it can change our lives. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open it up to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. If you have a Bible, the old-fashioned kind, that you can open it up. And I want to hear your pages flip, or maybe you're kind of a modern individual. You've got an iPad or a tablet or an iPhone, pull out your Bible app and, and open that up. If you haven't downloaded it yet, what do I tell you? Download the Bible app. I say it every week. It will change your life. You could have access to the Bible in ways you never have before. Luke chapter 23, we have the, uh, the verse on the screen as well. This is, this is the story of what Jesus did for us. Let's read it together. Then Pilate, not like a U.S. Airways pilot, this guy, his name was Pontius Pilate, that was his name. He was the governor of the particular area, the Jerusalem area of Israel. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and the other religious leaders, along with all the people of the community, and he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. So what had happened up to this point is that Jesus had been teaching about the new life and the kingdom of the way that the life was going to be different 
when you follow after Jesus and the salvation that was to come. And they didn't like this. The Jewish leaders of the time felt like Jesus was a threat to them. So they accused him of starting a revolt. And so he went, the, the, the high priest Caiaphas went to the, to the, to the Roman uh, leader, Pontius Pilate, and said, hey, this guy Jesus is starting riots. And, and, and he knew that Pontius Pilate was already on his last, his last warning from Caesar, that if there were any more problems, that Caesar was going to replace Pilate with another individual. So Pilate was manipulated here by the Jewish leaders who knew that they wanted to get rid of Jesus, but he had such a following that he had to get the Romans involved in order for, in order for, um, for that, this to be able to happen without there being riots. So they go to him and they say, this man is a, is a terrorist. He's a, he's a revolt individual who's going to lead uh, riots in this community. And after he talks to Pilate, this is what Pilate says, you brought this man to me accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence. I find him innocent. Herod, King Herod, this is the actual king of the Jews, King Herod, came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing that this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged. Oh, how nice of you, Pilate. And then I will release him. Verse 18. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd and with one voice, like a unified voice. Think of like a Steelers football game where everyone is chanting, defense, or whatever it is. This crowd in unison was crowding and said, kill him. And release Barabbas to us. Now, Barabbas was a man who was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government. Coincidentally, the exact thing that they're accusing Jesus of. And for murder. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified. And their voices prevailed. Now, I want to stop here for a second. I don't know if you guys understand the concept of crucifixion. I mean, most of us see this cross here in the front, okay, of the, of the auditorium here. Crucifixion is the equivalent of the electric chair in our modern day society. It is the capital punishment. It is the most violent and gruesome death that a criminal deserves. The Romans had this very specific, you know, execution tool for their worst criminals, for those who deserved the worst pain. And that's what they were going to give Jesus. So Pilate, verse 24, sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas. So this is interesting. So they had a custom. Every year at Passover, what would happen is, is that the, the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, had a custom of, of giving a, a, a criminal and said, who would you like us to release? I'll give, I'll pardon someone, right? The president of the United States does this at times as well. They'll pardon individuals. This is the same kind of a thing. So in this case, he says, would you like me to release Jesus. And instead they cry out, no, crucify him. Give us Barabbas, this man who was on trial for murder and for being a terrorist. And it says that he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection or murder, but he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. Skip down to verse 32. Two others, both criminals or outlaws, as we said earlier, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, the word is Golgotha, it looked like a skull. If you look from a distance, there were kind of like clefts in the rock that actually looked like the skull, a fitting place for, for crucifixion. And they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed, verse 35. And they said, he saved others. 
Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. <laughs> you can hear just their hatred in their voice. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. I mean, it was, it was kind of a custom. If they were going to be nice to kind of give someone relief, they would give them something nice to drink to help them ease their pain. But they gave him something that would be horrible to his taste. And they called out to him, If you are really the king of the Jews, save yourself. And a sign was mockingly fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. Skip down to verse 44. By this time, it was about noon, and the darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock in the afternoon. The light from the sun was gone. And suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Now, this is significant I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but in the temple, in the Jewish temple, there was a place in the very back that was called the Holy of Holies. It was the place where God resided himself, where the presence of God rested down in this room. And the only person allowed to go in that room once a year was the high priest, and there was a curtain there keeping everybody out. And in this moment when Jesus is crucified, the curtain is torn in half amazingly symbolizing the end of a separation from God and his people. In this single moment, the freedom that we all have today because of the new life that Jesus Christ has offered to us happens as a symbol in that one moment of the curtain being torn. And it gets overlooked so often, but it was put there for a purpose. Verse 46, then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer who was overseeing the execution saw what had just happened, he had a very big turn of heart. He says that he worshipped God and said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd, the crowd that was just jeering at him, came to see that crucifixion, saw what happened, they went home in deep sorrow. I think in that moment they realized, wow, we truly missed the boat. Like, I, wow, like I cannot believe what I just put him through. Like it was in that moment. You ever had that moment where you just made a horrible mistake and you realized that now you have to live with the consequences of it? I feel like that is where they were living in that moment. They went home in deep sorrow. Verse 50. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. Not the same Joseph who was Jesus' dad. He was a member of the Jewish high council, the same council that conspired to have Jesus be murdered. But he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He went to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee, the ones who followed Jesus, the ones who loved Jesus, followed and they saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointment to anoint his body. And they were going to come back later that evening to, to wrap him up and get him fully ready for his burial. But what happened was is it was too late and Passover was about to begin. And so Jewish custom says that when the Sabbath begins, this was Friday night, okay, that this happened. And at sundown, the Jewish people had to stop doing everything and celebrate this, this, this Passover um, Passover holiday, and the Sabbath was all day Saturday. They were not able to do anything. So they had to wait to come back to Jesus. So then we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 24, and it says, but very early on Sunday. So you ever wonder why it's the third day, right? Friday is one, Saturday is two, Sunday is the third day. 
So very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, a huge boulder of a stone. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? (laughs) Oh, sorry guys, I totally forgot. He isn't here, he is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Have you ever had that moment where you forgot something, but then when you were reminded, it was like, oh my gosh, I forgot. That's this moment. Then they remembered that he had said this. Jesus had told them already, I must be delivered into the hands of sinners and crucified and I will rise again on the third day. He told them this already. So they rushed back from the tomb to the other 11 disciples and everyone else and told them what had happened. Now, most of us are probably familiar with this story. Maybe you've just heard it for the first time in sort of its entirety. I felt like it was important to draw the picture of the event of what just took place. I think most of us have heard it, and for over 2,000 years, this event has been the centrality of the gospel message. This event has changed millions of lives. People have come to know hope and have had a fresh start and new life because of what Jesus did that day. But maybe while you've heard this message before, you're asking yourself this question, I still don't fully understand what the importance is of this resurrection, of this crucifixion. Why is it important? How does it matter to me? What does this do to me? How does this affect me? Let's look at our lives and the mess that we live in. Think about the broken relationships that you have in your life or maybe that you know other people do. Broken marriages or uh, relationships with your spouses, frustrating situations with your kids, broken family situation that you have. Look around and see the mistakes that you've made in your life and the consequences that you live with because of the mistakes that you've made in your life. We deal with things like skewed identity. We deal with, with, with lack of confidence. We, we feel like the wrong the wrong portrait of ourselves or we hold ourselves up against uh, what other people think we should be or we have a lack of self-esteem. We deal with selfishness. We deal with pride as people, as humans. We struggle with unforgiveness, with bitterness, with addictions of all kinds. We deal with drugs. We deal with alcohol. But we also deal with things like addiction to food or even addictions to being accepted and finding places and wanting to fit in. We deal with addictions in those places and any other destructive patterns. We have unhealthy amounts of debt that we live with. We struggle with greed. We see all around us violence. There's abuse in the home and around in our schools. And we see with poverty and we see hunger. There is a mess that we live in, a world full of of pain and struggle and darkness. And all of us have experienced in some way or maybe even are experiencing some of these very things right now in our lives. We are trapped inside of a life that has no hope of freeing ourselves from them. And we all live our lives repeating the same cycles of dysfunction over and over again. 
And we're searching for meaning. We're trying to find answers to these questions of why are we here and what am I supposed to do with it and how can I break free from these things? And so I ask you again, why is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so important? And the answer is because it shows the great love and care that God in heaven has for humanity. And at the same time, it serves as the death blow to the things that hold us prisoner. Let me say that again. It shows the great love that our God in heaven has for humanity. And at the same time, it serves as the death blow to the things that hold us prisoner. You see, Jesus' death on the cross paid for our sin. It was the punishment that we deserve for all the things that I just mentioned, the things that come so naturally to us, right? That death on the cross, his willing sacrifice to do it, covers our sin. It covers us and pays for us. He did it for us. But his resurrection provides a way for us to experience the fresh start that we all crave the beginning of all things restored. That's the thing I love about the resurrection is it wasn't just Jesus coming from the grave. It was also the beginning of everything being restored back to its original intent. We hear the story of the, of the, of the Garden of Eden and we see how wonderful and perfect it was. This was how it was designed to be. We were supposed to live in communion with our God. We were supposed to live in peace with each other. It was a wonderful place where no one struggled with violence. There was no selfishness. There was no greed. There was no hunger and poverty. None of these things existed. But since sin entered the world, we've never been the same. And nothing was ever going to be able to fix it until Jesus died for our sins and rose from the death, overcoming it, breaking that curse that, that holds us bondage. And in the beginning, in that moment, in that moment, it was the beginning. It was the reset button that was pushed. And our computer of life is being rebooted. And we are now making our way back to the way that God meant it to be. And one day, everything is going to be restored. All the marriages are going to be restored. Violence is going to end. There's a, there's a, in the verse in the book of Revelation, near the end of the Bible, it says where he will wipe every tear. Where there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. This was the beginning of that moment, and it takes place in each of us every day, every moment. When we accept the resurrection power of Jesus into our lives, he begins to heal and restore us. It's powerful. And we celebrate Easter because it gives us the opportunity to have the new life that we all crave, the new life to start over, to have a fresh start. But how does it work? How can I actually do this in my life? How does it happen? Well, just after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, he raised up his disciples. He came to them and he said, listen, I'm going to send you out now to the rest of the world. I'm going to fill you with my power, with my spirit. And he rose up these leaders, one of which was the name Paul, Apostle Paul, who became one of the greatest leaders in all church history. And he wrote a letter to the church in Rome. And in the sixth chapter of that letter, he was talking about this very concept of how we have new life. Let's read it together. Romans 6, verse 4 through 11. This is him talking. He says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Verse 5, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. 
And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. What he's saying here is that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he opened a door for us and we have to just walk through. And when we walk through that door, we're making a choice to say, I am leaving my old life behind. Jesus, I accept what you did on the cross for me. When you, when you gave your life to cover my sin with your sacrifice, I receive it. That's all you got to do. I receive that forgiveness. I receive that. And I believe that you rose from the dead and then that power now can live inside of me. When you do that, this passage happens. We are dead in our sin and something happens in our soul. It comes alive through the power of Jesus. And so that fresh start that we all want, the big idea of the day is this, a fresh start begins with new life. You have to have a new life in Jesus before you can have any fresh start that's going to really matter in your life. New life in Christ. But here's the thing. Without Jesus, any other efforts are just band-aids. If you try to, to live a good life, you try to make good decisions, you try to have good principles, maybe you go to yoga and you get healthy, you know, you work out at the gym, you know, you, you take some self-help classes, you take some parenting classes, all of those things are good, but they're just band-aids over the problem that's going on in our soul. And your sinful nature will continue to come out and distort and manipulate whatever good thing you do and turn it into something destructive. That is how it works. But when we find new life in Jesus Christ, we now have the power to say no to our sinful nature and to be able to make a choice and to move forward and have healing. We need the forgiveness for our sin and the healing of the resurrection a fresh start in the rest of our lives begins with new life in Jesus. So I want to kind of wrap up today with this, with some thoughts on what does a new life in Christ look like? And whether or not you have heard this message of the resurrection before, whether, whether or not you've been a Christian for a long time, like a born-again Christian, like one who said, Jesus, I give you my life, take it, heal me, and, you know, and, and he rushed into your life and has changed you. Whether you're that person or you're hearing this for the first time today, I encourage you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. Because we all deal, even as Christians, and we all struggle with this battle in our lives of dealing with the sinful nature in our life. I am not perfect. You are not perfect. Even though I know Jesus, I still get angry. I still get frustrated. I yell at my kids when I shouldn't. I act selfishly. You know, like all of us struggle with these things. And so what I'm about to tell you, what we're about to just explore a little bit, can help all of us. What does it look like to experience a new life in Jesus Christ? The first thing is this. It's freedom from the past. This is extremely important to understand. Freedom from the past. Verse 6 and 7 there said, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are set free from the power of sin. That means you now have the power to say no. The things that have held you back are no longer commanding your attention anymore. You have the power in your life through Jesus Christ to be able to say, no, I am not that addict anymore. I am not that person who struggles with this anymore. I have new life in Jesus Christ and it has set you free 
The resurrection of Jesus Christ set you free. Hear me. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has set you free from whatever it is you struggle with. There is no longer guilt for you. There is no longer shame for you. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ has set you free from the past. You are free. You are forgiven. Your record has been wiped clean. I was just talking to somebody today who was telling me, I have a hard time getting a job because I have a felony. But you know what? In God's rules, in God's world, you are wiped clean. You have nothing that holds you back from who he is. He will not look at you and say, oh, well, you get this little shack over here in heaven. No, no, no. It's not how it works. You are free from your past. A new life in Christ has freedom from the past. It also has acceptance from our creator. Acceptance from our creator. Verse 8 says, so we will also live with him. So now that we've died from our sin and we still struggle with it, but we have the power to say no and we work with Jesus to move forward every day, we have acceptance from him. So not only have we been set free from it, we've been had our chains removed, we can now go into his living room. We can now, like a lot of times this is what we feel like. We feel like I've been released from prison, but I've still got this thing hanging on me and I'm not gonna be able to hang out with the person who set me free or I feel guilty. No, Jesus says that you now live with him. So now that means that when you come and you open your Bible or you decide to pray and you talk to Jesus, you don't have to apologize all the time. He loves you. He loves you for who you are. He has set you free and he accepts you. He sees your flaws. He sees your frustrations. He sees your mistakes, the things you will continue to make every day. He sees all of those things and says, I love you. You are my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. And when my kids mess up or they make mistakes, I don't say, oh, sorry, guy. You know, I, I, I brought you into this world, but now you're no longer my son. No, that's not how it works. I accept my kids. I teach them. I love them. I raise them. You have acceptance from your creator. You have belonging. You have belonging. You have access to the God who has power. The same God that raised Jesus Christ from the grave has the same power to resurrect things in your life that were dead. You have a relationship. Stop trying to earn what you cannot earn. It was paid for because of Jesus. So, a new life in Christ has freedom from the past. It has acceptance from our creator. It also gives us the power to move forward. If you're taking notes, forward. Verse 10 says, He died once to break the power of sin. He lives now for the glory of God. It wasn't just enough, like Aaron said in our worship set, that he just came down to heaven, died on the cross, rose from the grave and said, all right, see you guys later, I'm out. No, he said, I am now going to, now going to raise up a follower, a, a family. I'm going to give them new life. He said, I'm going to send them my spirit, the Holy Spirit, to give them life and comfort and to, to give them power to move forward. Power. How do we get that power? It's found in the alignment with God's design. We talk about this all the time at, at Encounter Church. Alignment, design. God, it's, we, so people say in the, in, in, the, in the Bible, the word is God's will, right? God's will. And it's like, how do I know God's will? It's another word for this design. What God created our life to be like, when we align ourselves with his principles, when we align ourselves with how he wants us to, to live and the way that he designed us to live, there's power that comes from us, from that. It's God's best for you. Yes, you can live in liberty and there are things in your life that you could do and still be a Christian and get yourself into heaven, but is that what God's best is for you? 
God's best for you will give you the power that you need to be able to say no to the things that you have problems with, the things that you struggle with. His spirit will have, when it has more influence in your life, the more power you will have to be able to combat your sinful nature. Does that make sense what I'm saying to you? If you are living your life on the edge and the minimal amount of what God has, has in store for you, your sinful nature is going to have a lot of power because you're not giving God the space and the influence in your life to impact you. But the more you align yourself with him, with his principles, with what he wants, you're creating more space in your life, more influence for his spirit, which builds those muscles, which allows you to say no to the things in your life that you find yourself over and over again being defeated by. But freedom is a choice. This freedom that we have is a choice. We have to choose to walk out of the prison cell. We have to choose to be accepted. We have a decision to make. We have to decide whether or not we're going to use that power that he's given us to move forward. And finally... A new life in Christ is freedom from the past. It's acceptance from our creator. It's the power to move forward. And I love this one. It means death to life. Verse five says, we were united with him in his death and raised to life as he was. The resurrection of Jesus marks the beginning of a new life for all. Things that were once forgotten are now remembered. I want you to hear me on this. There are dreams in your life that, are, that you consider dead. Things that you've forgotten long ago because life has taken its toll on you. The resurrection doesn't just symbolize a, a spiritual new life in our heart. I mean, it's primarily and first and foremost, it is the regeneration of our souls to connect with our creator. It is the new life that is available to us but it is also the symbol of the, the things, of all things coming back to life. If God put a dream in your heart and long ago that dream is laying dormant because of how life is beaten on you, I believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ means new life for that dream. I believe that he wants to bring things back to life inside of your heart. I believe that he wants to take relationships that have been broken and restore them. I believe that he wants to take your mind that has been disfigured and has been, has been, has been destroyed by the world or by, by maybe by drugs or your brain is fried or whatever it is. I believe he wants to heal you of that. I believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ symbolizes the power to heal your body that is broken, broken bones. That means that, that diseases and sicknesses that are in your body, the resurrection means the beginning of the healing of those things. It is death to life. And this is the power of the gospel. And I think so oftentimes we live in this space of feeling like Christianity on, on, from week to week or even from Easter to Easter, we walk out of the doors and oftentimes we forget that we have power inside of us. We get overcome by the life that, that we feel gets beaten us down. We know the power of God that resurrected the Lord Jesus Christ from the grave is the same power that lives inside of us. The same power that has the ability to change our lives and change our circumstances. And if there are things in your life today that you are believing for, you say, maybe you've given up. Then you said, I just don't know anymore. Maybe this thing is gone. Maybe this thing, this relationship with my son or my daughter, or maybe my marriage, I thought it was over and it's done with. 
I'm believing that, that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that power that raised Jesus from the grave has the ability to transform in your life something that was once gone, once that was buried and can now come back to life. And that may not happen overnight, but it takes faith every day. It takes believing in this power, aligning yourself with Jesus Christ and his principles in your life, his design for you. And watch how he begins to transform your life and bring things that were dead back to life and turn your weed garden of a life into a flourishing, beautiful garden of Eden. New life in Christ is powerful. We have freedom, freedom from the past. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Paul said in the, in, in the New Testament, he said, thank God for the freedom and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And he said, because I have sinned greater than all of you. He, he, he said that he was one who was murdering Christians. And I, that resonates with me because while I didn't have a life that was quite that, that horrible, horrible filled acts, I know my past. I know what I've been freed from. I know the things that have kept me prisoner. And when I look back at who I was 10, 15 years ago, before I found Jesus, I was so dark, I was so broken, so filled with hatred and anger, and my past is gone. It's wiped clean because of what Jesus did. And he didn't just forgive me and leave me broken on the side of the road. He picked me up. He gave me new life. He healed me. And things that I thought never, 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 never would be able to be healed. My heart. I look at my life now and I think, all the things that I have, the good things, the powerful, the wonderful things that Jesus has done is all because of the resurrection. We have new life. It gives us freedom. We are accepted by our creator. We have power to move forward and to break a hold of the things that have held us. And the things that were once dead in our lives can come back to life. If we could all just catch this concept, it would revolutionize our lives. All the things that hold us back, broken under the power of Jesus Christ. With the new life found through Jesus, we will no longer be powerless victims, but victorious children of God. This fresh start that we are all seeking begins with a relationship with Jesus. It sets the stage for the healing and the restoration that God wants to bring and to do in the rest of our lives. And as we close today, I want you to know that the rest of this month is all about this. This is the beginning. And there are areas of our life, our relationships, our purpose, seeking and longing to belong all of those things we can have fresh starts in but it begins here 
We're going to respond now. I believe it's so important to take a moment and respond. And we do it a little bit different here at Encounter maybe than you're used to. But we want to give you a chance to take a step, a physical, tangible step. So we created these stations here. For you to be able to take a moment and say, I'm going to choose to respond. Normally we have a prayer wall right here in the front. And today we replaced it with cross, which is fitting for this day. We have closed pins on the cross and we have pieces of paper on the two inside tables. I would encourage you today to take a piece of paper and to write down one of two things. Either what you're leaving behind at the cross today. What is it that you have been set free from that you want to write down and say, I'm leaving it at the cross. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, his power of covering my sin, my pain, my mistakes, my consequences, covering them with his sacrifice and his blood on the cross, it covers them. What are you leaving behind? Write it down and leave it at the cross and move forward. Or maybe, maybe you want to write down something that you have, you're believing for now that you're going to walk in freedom with can write that down and put it on the cross as a symbol of I am now going to walk forward in the resurrection power that enables me to move forward from this thing whatever it is I would love to see everybody do that some of you may be interested in lighting a candle we have candles on the inside tables where the papers list are, are there candle can be a symbol for you of I just had this image in my mind of the tomb being opened you know it was dark in there when the tomb opened, there was light that came through. Perhaps lighting a candle for you could be a symbol of that light of Jesus Christ shining in a dark place for the first time in a long time. Maybe there's another individual in your family who is living in darkness and doesn't know Jesus, doesn't have the power of the resurrection in their life. You could light it for them and say a prayer and ask the Lord to, to find them. Maybe there's someone in the room today. This is the first time you've heard this message about Jesus. Maybe you've heard it a hundred times, I don't know. But today is something different. This emotion that I had just a moment ago, it's not theatrics. It's real. If you want what I have it's available to you the Bible tells us that all you have to do to begin this journey to begin this step of following Jesus allowing him to transform your life to be saved to be set free like we talked about to have this new life acceptance from our creator to have the death come back to life the Bible tells us all we have to do is is believe in our heart that Jesus is who he says he is and to confess with our mouth that he raised from the dead. We just have to believe. Come on! Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com 
and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.